I stand and shout when the Patriots score, right? Okay, I get pumped up. Now, I can see Steve probably do it when the Bruins do, right? You get pumped up, right? <laughs> I, listen, I clap for, for Brady when he does a dance. Now, I'm not talking about Tom Brady. I'm talking about my Brady. If Brady comes and says, yeah, look, and he does something, I'm usually like, yeah, good job, buddy, even if it's not that great. You know, I'm just like, hey. Um, listen, when Seth says something on his own, you know, um, you know, I remember one time I said, I love you, buddy. And he said, I love you, like in his own way, but I could tell that's what he was saying. Listen, I cry tears of joy, okay, when, when that kind of stuff happens. On Christmas morning, when I get something that I've been wanting for, you know, or asked for, I get excited about that, I get pumped up. So when I'm at a restaurant and I've ordered food and I'm super hungry and I see the, the waiter coming with like the trays of food, I get like a giddy little child, like knowing like my steak is finally here, like I get to eat, this is exciting, this is great. And here's the truth. Oftentimes, I give great worship to small gods and small worship to a great God. The church, unfortunately, is full of Christians who give great worship to small gods and small worship to a great God. It's convicting. I don't like that statement. It doesn't make me feel very good, but it does challenge me. I don't want to be a Christian that gives all the, and not even realizing, listen, I don't feel like I worship the Patriots or worship my kids, but you know what? I sure act like it sometimes, and the emotion that I show and the excitement that I show and really the worship, the worth that I find in those things, oftentimes over-exemplifies and, and is, is greater than the worship that I show in our corporate worship. Psalm 66.4 says, All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Selah. Listen, true worship is simply catching sight of the greatness, of the majesty, and the glory of an infinite God. When you catch a tiny glimpse of who God really is, you just can't help but worship him. You're like, man, I, I'm saved by him. He's my king. I can't believe that. The devil will do anything in his power. The enemy will do anything in his power to distract us from that truth. Even when we still believe in God and we have faith in God, we just forget how great, how infinite, how mighty he is. Psalm 96, uh, Psalm 96 2 says, Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Psalm 21, 13. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So will we sing and praise thy power. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. Amen. Last week I talked about all the reasons people don't worship in church. We talked about the fear of man. We talked about not being used to it. All the different reasons we talked about. And this week I want to continue to share my vision for the worship of Coastline Baptist Church. So the question really is, how can we truly worship in church worship? Again, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about our private worship when you're in the car and things like that. I'm not talking. I'm talking about really at this time. Right now, uh, it's it's here in this room when the panel's playing and when I'm uh, leading and we're here together. And then soon, Lord willing, it'll be in that building when we grow and whoever we have. One day we'll have a worship leader. I'm talking about our church worship. How can we truly worship? In church worship. Number one, I believe, and I mentioned this already, you must realize who it is you're singing to. It's very easy, especially for those who grew up in church. You ever seen a new believer worship? And they are just 
usually just into it, man. They're just like, because it's so fresh for them. But oftentimes for the churchgoer or the Christian that's been saved for their whole lives, man, we just gotten so used to it. We love the Lord. It's not saying we don't, we don't believe or we don't love, but we've gotten so used to that part of the service. We know all the songs and we just kind of, we kind of go and we, we kind of just go through the motions and, and not even with a bad spirit. Oftentimes it's not that we're completely distracted and just not caring, but we're just, it becomes so habitual that we forget who it is that we're singing to. We forget that he literally is listening to what we're saying all across this country, all across the world. There are groups of believers, Christians gathering together, singing praise to God, and he hears every one of them. And we're part of that. And you're part of that. To truly worship, you've got to realize who it is you're singing to. A holy God who inhabits the praise of his people. You also, in truly worshiping, not only realize who you're singing to, but you must be willing oftentimes to lay aside your pride. All those reasons that we talked about last week. We, we have to be willing to lay aside anything that's going to keep us from truly worshiping God. We have to lay it aside. We have, to, we have to leave it at home and say, you know what? This is not about how good I think I sound or this or that. This is a, how much? This is about me and God and me worshiping God and me with other believers together lifting our voices to God and in laying aside your pride. Once you take that step of saying, no, I'm not going to think about any of that other stuff. I'm not going to think about myself. I'm not going to get insecure. I'm not going to get cocky. I'm nothing like that at all. I'm going to lay aside all that pride. And in laying aside that pride, to humbly lift your voice. Humbly lift your voice. Lift your hand. Whatever. To the king. And just sing. And we did that this morning. Praise the Lord. But this is my vision for our church. Just sing. Just worship. Think about who you're singing to. And, and for some of us, it might be awkward at first because we've just gotten so used to it. Like I said, it's just this habitual part of our, of our church-going experience that we just stand and we sing, we look at the Word, we look at the hymnal, whatever it may be, and we just go through it. And oftentimes to take that next step into true worship where you're just like, man, you're just worshiping God, it can be a little awkward. It can, be, it can feel a little weird. And you know what you have to do? You have to lean into that awkwardness. You have to embrace that because... Like I said, the enemy will use anything he can to get you not to worship. We, we, we create this self-consciousness, this weekly self-consciousness. Every time we stand to sing where we just we have a certain way we want to do things, and if we break out of that, it, it feels weird. We've got to break away from that and determine to focus solely on the subject of our worship. All about God. And I'm telling you, you'll get used to it. It may be awkward at first. It will be. See, I've never raised my hand before in worship before. That just feels weird. I feel like I can't go above my shoulder. I, you know, I grew up in church where they said you can't go any higher than this. Listen, it's going to feel awkward at first, but I'll tell you, you're going to get used to it. It's like any muscle. Any muscle that you don't use very often, it's going to be weak. You flex that muscle enough times, man, it's just going to become part of who you are, part of your worship. It's important. Stop thinking about it and just do it. What better way to prepare your heart for preaching than worship. Oftentimes you hear people talk about how the special music is great because it helps prepare the heart for preaching, and it does, and that's great, but you know what else should prepare our heart for preaching is our worship time. How, listen, could you imagine if every one of us, or everybody at Coastline, as we grow, everybody 
meet with God during worship time and just worship Him. And then the Bible's open and the Word of God is open. Man, you've already, you've already met with God. You've already worshiped Him and now you get to hear His Word. Listen, oftentimes we show up for church, we're tired, we're frustrated, we're stressed, we're on edge. More arguments happen in the car on the way to church than anywhere else in the history of mankind. We know that, okay? And immediately when you walk in the doors, besides having a bagel and some coffee, the first thing we do as a church, you are given an opportunity to meet with God through worship immediately. After the stress, after the arguments, after the frustration, after the traffic, after it all, after waking up late, rushing, uh, getting all tense, and then you are given an opportunity immediately. First thing we do together. When the service starts, the first thing that we do, the first thing that you do when you get to church is we have the opportunity to worship God and meet with God immediately and sing about the cross and sing, Lord, I need you and, and th- sing that he's glorified about the cross. You get to meet with God immediately. Acts 16.25, uh, uh, Paul and Silas are there in jail. And it says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. In their struggles, you know what they did? They worshipped. And they had joy in jail because of their worship. Listen, it's amazing that the byproducts of true worship. The number one and really the only reason we do that is to worship God and give Him glory. But it's just, it's just like God that when we're worshiping Him, He blesses us. And he encourages our heart. And you can come in carrying burdens and carrying trials and carrying heartache and hurt and stress and annoyance. And when you start to worship God and give Him glory and praise His name and think about the cross and think about heaven and think about your need for grace, suddenly you're the one that's being blessed. You're the one that's being encouraged. And by the way, worship is not about us. I said that, but God is just so gracious to us that when we do worship Him, we are encouraged. And you know why? It's because we're meeting with God. Listen, we see in the Bible that God is moved. He's pleased by the unity of the brethren of Christians when they sing unto him. I didn't put these verses, so just listen. This is 1 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14. I'm just going to read this short passage and just see the, the reaction of God at the worship of his people. It says, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. God is blessed and God is, is, is thrilled and pleased when together as a church we worship Him. It may not seem like a big deal to us. Listen, there's times I have to convince myself of this. I'm like, yeah, but it's just like us. It's just like 10 people. But, but the truth of the matter is God is pleased. When Coastline Baptist Church stands up and together, unified as one, lift our voices and lift our hands and praise His name, God is pleased. He is pleased. And I believe, beyond the fact that He's pleased, He will bless us. We're worshiping Him. And as a church, we are, we are with the help of the Holy Spirit, number one, we are trying to create an atmosphere where you can commune with God and bring your worship to Him. It does take work. It's not just about getting up and 
you know, and I did this a thousand times when I was on staff at churches. You just, four services, oh, I gotta find a few songs, grab the hymnal, all right, hey, let's do this one, this one, this one. And we had a great piano player, so it was very easy to do that. Listen, I, I get convicted thinking about that now because the worship time that was supposed to be an important time to, to not only allow myself as a song leader to, to worship God, but to create an atmosphere where our church can worship God, I didn't put a lot of heart into it all. I may have had some passion and excitement during it, but the preparation for it, it's convicting to think about how little I really cared about that. That I thought it was just about picking a few songs. Hey, we already got a great piano, but that's, that's fine. And let's just sing, get through our songs, and the choir's going to sing, and then we're going to get to the important part, and we're going to get to the preaching. And I didn't realize, and I look back, and I, I, I can't go back now, but now as a, as a church, I want to do my best. And it's, it takes work, it takes time, it takes prayer. I'll do my best to create an atmosphere for you, for me, for all of us, for those who will come. An atmosphere where we can meet with God and worship Him. So I pray about what songs to sing. Pray about, I pray for the proper, for, for proper heart attitude for myself and for all of us when we sing. Amen. I pray for the Spirit of God to move. So I, I, I recorded two songs uh, Thursday before we left, and then I played through them and I practice them so I don't mess it all up horribly. And I finished it and I just didn't feel peace and I deleted it and did a whole two different songs. You know what I mean? I, I want to do what God wants us to do. Worship is so important. It's not, I, I don't ever want to let it get to be just a little part of the service where it's kind of like we just got to get through this part because it's, it's normal church you know, policy and things like that. This is just what we do. And I don't want, I want it to be real and authentic. Listen, as a church, as a church, we're going to sing songs that reflect His glory. That's the kind of songs I want to sing. We're going to sing songs like Holy, Holy, Holy. We haven't done that one yet. It's a beautiful old hymn full of doctrine. We're going to sing. We've sung 10,000 reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sing Lord. We sing Lord, I need you. We sing forever. We sing, you know, here I am to worship. Who you say I am. I'm a child of God. How great thou art. Holy is the Lord. We sung, Oh, come to the altar. You sing that song, Oceans, I will call upon uh, the Lord and, and, and all these songs that we sing that reflect His glory. Great is thy faithfulness. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. You're a good, good father. Listen, I'm not just picking songs because they sound good or they're easy to sing or I like them. Now, granted, I do like these songs that we sing and I probably might not pick a song that I just really don't like singing at all because maybe I will now on purpose. But... I'm picking songs that reflect the glory of God. Those are the kind of songs I want to sing as a church. Not just songs because we've always sang them, or songs that reflect God's glory. It's why we've sung some new ones. Some of you don't know, and we have to learn them. And it, it, that's a little awkward sometimes trying to figure out when to come in. And, but listen, we're, we're, we're working at our worship, we're growing in our worship. I want to sing songs that not only reflect God's glory, but lift up Christ at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. You know what that song does? It lifts up Christ. Amen. The burden of my heart was rolled away. Songs like, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. It lifts up Christ. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust. These are all songs we've sung, to trust in Jesus. I have resurrection power living on the inside. Jesus, you have given me freedom. That song, you know what it does? It lifts up Christ. It lifts up Christ. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. We've sung in Christ alone. 
We sang the old rugged cross last week. Songs that lift up Christ. Songs that reflect the glory of God. That lift up Christ. And songs that honor His Word. We sang a, a few weeks back, and this one was a hard one. We, it didn't go that well. But it's a great song. We're going to do it again because it honors the Word of God. That song, This I Believe. And it, just, it really just goes through almost all the doctrines of, I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the three in one. Listen, that song, it does all of these things. It lifts up Christ. It reflects the glory of God and it honors the word of God. It's in grace that is greater than our sin. Amen. Saying, my living hope. And you think of the word in that song, how it honors doctrine and honors uh, our theology and what we believe. Those are the songs as a church that we're going to sing and worship God. Listen, if, if we take a deeper look at worship in the Psalms, uh, we get a little more clarity on, on biblical worship, the language that was spoken by God's people. The Old Testament was, was Hebrew. So we're going to look at some, some words that they used uh, for praise and for worship from their songbook, from the children of Israel, from God's people, from their songbook, which is the book of Psalms. We'll look at some words, some Hebrew words that, although it was different cultures, I understand that, and in a whole different time, and it's different people, it's the same God that we're worshiping. Isn't that amazing? The same God that these psalms were written about by King David and Asaph and other people, God's people, we serve and we worship the same God. And we can apply some of these truths that we find in these Hebrew words for praise and worship that are found in the psalms in our own worship. And I, I think we should. The first word, and, and I hope I pronounce these right. I don't know Hebrew, <laughs> but I'm going to guess. The first word we see is the word uh, Shabbat. Does that sound about right? Shabbat? I think so, right? I don't think it's Shabbat. I think it's Shabbat. <laughs> Shabbat is a Hebrew word. You know what the word Shabbat means? And I'm going to show you some scriptures where this word is. It means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to triumph, to express confidence in God's ability. And we see that Hebrew word Shabbat in these verses. I have them underlined and bolded there. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation shall praise, that's that word Shabbat, that Hebrew word when it was translated in English, thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. Psalm 47.1, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout, that word shout, translated from the Hebrew word Shabbat, unto God with the voice of triumph. To shout. To address in a loud tone, to triumph, to express confidence in God's ability. Part of our worship should be part of our, if, if we're looking at the Bible and how God's people worshiped Him, these are the words that they used. We can apply it in our own lives and think, hey, am I, am I, when I sing, when I worship, am I expressing confidence in God's ability when I sing, Lord, I need you? Because talk about a song that talks all about God's ability because I need you. I can't do anything without you. Amen. That word Shabbat, another word. Barak. <laughs> Barak. Barak means this, to kneel or bow, to give reverence to God as an act of adoration, continually giving place to God. That's what this word means, this Hebrew word. And we see it in this verse. I will bless the Lord at all times. That word bless Translated from that Hebrew word, Barak. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In our worship, in our worship, are we giving reverence to God? Are we adoring Him? Are we just kind of going through the motions? And singing songs that we like. Listen, 
you and I both know we can listen to the radio and hear songs that we like, secular songs that we like, and sing along because we enjoy singing them. And it's the same with some Christian songs. We like how they sound, so it's not that hard to sing them. But check the motives behind our singing. Is our singing uh, on Sunday mornings during our worship, is it just us singing out and, and because we like the song or because we are, as an act of reverence, adoring our Creator and worshiping Him and giving place to Him? Another word is yada. Yada means to extend the hand, to throw out the hand. I mean, that's, you talk about like physical worship there, throwing out the hand, uh, to worship with extended hand, to revere or worship with extended hand, praise, uh, thankfulness, thanksgiving. That's what this word yada means, and we see it in Psalm 63, 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up, that word yada, my hands in thy name. 107, 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Amen. The Hebrew word yada there. And that literally is almost every part of the definition is about raising your hand. This other word, uh, uh, tauda, means a raised hand, an avowal, adoration, a choir of worshipers, confession, sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving. It comes from the same principal root word as the one we just looked at, yada, but it's used more specifically thanking God for things not yet received as well as things already at hand. This word, uh, tauda, in the verses we see uh, with this Hebrew word, or Psalm 50, 14, offering to God thanksgiving. And pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 104, we all know this verse. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Are you seeing the picture of biblical worship here in the Psalms? This last word here, you'll recognize, uh, you'll probably sound familiar, this word halal means it's a primary Hebrew root word for praise, and it means to make a show or rave about. What a unique definition. To be clear, to shine, to glory in or boast upon, to be clamorously foolish about your adoration of God. I thought, what a unique definition that is. To celebrate extra extravagantly. What do you think that word, that we get another word from this word? You know what that word is? Hallelujah. Our word hallelujah comes from this base word, which means praise is that part halal to God, which is the, the, the jah there. Halal. I love the definition to make a show, to rave about, uh, to be clamorously foolish about your adoration of God, to celebrate extravagantly. And we see that verse right here. Psalm 50, 150, verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. That word halal being right there in that verse three different times. Psalm 44, 8, in God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Selah. We see biblical worship. We see how God's people worshiped him. We see us worshiping that same God. You think about those Hebrew words. Think about what they mean, their, their contextual definition. And you got to think in your own life, in our own personal worship, man, am I showing any of that? Is that in my heart at all? Or am I just going through the motions? Listen, we, we see through all these passages that we just read, worship that is expressive, worship that is authentic, grateful, reverent, humble, among many other things. And we see, I, I don't know about you, I saw in all that study 
that ra the raising of hands was a normal part of Bible worship. Now listen, it wasn't, it was modeled. It wasn't mandated like you must do this, but it sure was modeled. It sure was encouraged. And it was, it was sure a part of their biblical worship. I don't know how it happened that it came to a point when Christians just thought it was out of place to raise your hand. I don't know. I don't know the history of it, but somewhere along the line, because I know, I don't know about you, but I always felt weird lifting my hands in worship. And when someone did, I'd be like, mm, I kind of was weirded up. I remember, remember when I was a young, young, young song leader singing a hymn, and there was a guy out uh, on the, in the audience there raising his hands up, and I was like, it just kind of made me uneasy. <laughs> That's not right, by the way, for me to feel that way. But, but somewhere along the line, that happened. But if you look at the context of the Word of God and the, the songbook in the Bible here of God's people, you see it was a normal part of worship. And, and, and we see it uh, several different ways. Uh, uh, the raising of hands for prayer. Uh, our, our songs are prayers. Off. Think about it. Lord, I need you. We are talking to God. Talking to God. Prayer. That's our worship. We sing songs of prayer often. In, in 1 Timothy 2.8, it says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. The raising of hands oftentimes uh, implied a, a begging and an intensity in prayer. We see in 1 Kings 8.22, Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. Now, oftentimes it's it's a legitimate form of expression of worship and of surrender when you raise your hands up. Uh, they, they compared it uh, in the Bible to how the, the incense would, would, would float to the Lord when they would worship God, and, and the lifting of the hands kind of represented that. In, in Psalm 141 and verse 2, it says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You see, there's a correlation right there. Lamentations 3, Let us lift up our heart, with our hands unto God in the heavens. It expressed a, a thirsting for God, and a yearning for His presence when you lift your hands. It's almost like a, like a child reaching up for their dad to pick him up. Psalm 143, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse in the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land, Selah. Listen, that's okay to do, church. It's all right to raise your hands in worship. Listen, I, I encourage it. I encourage it. It, it, it. Listen, it is all about God. I know that. It's all about God. And to see our church participating in real, expressive, grateful worship it encourages the heart of your pastor. It does. It just does. That's not the reason we do it. Forget me, it's not about me, but I'll say a byproduct of your real authentic worship is that my heart is encouraged. Because, listen, wherever we're going to be, we're in the house right now. Uh, we'll be in a building. Listen, if something happened and we were sitting under a tree having church, we can have real authentic worship. It does not matter You've got to make it real. You've got to make it count. You've got to let it be known that you adore the King of Kings. He is your King. Listen, uh, why? Why do you have to do that? To make me feel good or successful? Not at all. But to honor and glorify the Creator of the universe. Amen. Truth is, I have to give an account one day as the pastor of our church. That's right. I do. I thought about this when I started. I'm like, man. And it's not just about 
uh, uh, my preaching or our giving or, or even our outreach. It's also part of that is going to be our worship, which is why I spent two weeks talking about my vision for our church. Listen, was our worship one day when, when I get to heaven and I got to give an account? Was our worship empty? Was it, was it, was it boring? Listen, have, you ever, have you ever been in a service where the worship was a little dry? And listen, I'm not talking about a sweet saint of God where there's a small church and they don't have a lot and he's just serving the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I've been in some pretty big churches with a lot of talent where the worship was a little empty. Listen, was our, is our worship empty? Is it boring? Is it half-hearted? Was it self-glorifying? You can fall into that trap as well to where all, it becomes all about uh, uh, what I like, what I want to do and looking... Is it self-glorifying? Listen, I am going to do whatever I believe that we should do to have real, God-honoring, Jesus-lifting worship. That is the kind of worship I want our church to have. And I want you to join me in that. And you have already. You've participated. Let's do our part. It takes effort. It does. It takes effort. It doesn't just come natural. It takes humility. It takes getting out of your comfort zone. Listen, when we stand, when the music starts, when you see the words on the screen and you're singing, think. Think about what you're singing. Feel the presence of God. Believe what you're singing. Express yourself in worship. Worship Him. He is the audience. He is the only audience. It's no one here. It's not me. God is the audience. And you have to understand and believe that. Forget about everyone else in the room. It's all about Him. It's all about God. It's all about our King. We worship Him. Ephesians 5.19 says... Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's why I love singing songs that are directed to God. I'm not against singing songs about God. But oftentimes, you sing, if all you sing is songs about God, He can sometimes feel a little distant during worship time. You know, singing I love you as opposed to I love Him. It does. It makes it a little bit more personal. And we'll sing both songs because I think it's important to sing both kinds of songs. We're going to sing songs that are directed to God. How else are you supposed to sing it? I mean, talk about an opportunity to worship. You're literally praying through song to God. You don't have to think about me or anything else. You sing it to Him. In a nutshell, listen, my vision for the worship of Coastline is this. God-focused. It's all about Him. Christ-magnifying. Because without Christ, we have no relationship with the Father. We don't. We'd still be trapped. But because of Christ and what He did on the cross, listen, we have, we have power through Christ. We have, we have a, so we're going to magnify the name of Christ and the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. We're going to magnify Christ and who He is. I want our worship to be heart-changing to where, well, listen, when, you're, when we finish with the worship, man, you are ready. You have met with God and you are ready to hear the preaching of His Word. Your heart is in the right place. You're not thinking about anything else. You think, man, I just got to worship God. Thought-provoking worship that not, not only moves your heart, but, but moves your, your mind. And you're, you're just thinking about God. That is the kind of worship that I believe we need to have. Psalm 43 says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Look at this. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Real worship 
glorifies God. Real worship also is a testimony from you of God. And real worship flowing from you draws other people to God. It's a byproduct. It's all about Him. If your worship is real and is true and it's authentic, it's only going to be about God. But the power of God will take the worship that you give to Him and use it in the life of someone else. Realize that. Realize that. We're, 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 listen, I, I'm not even going to say I think. I know that God is going to give us souls. God is going to give us people that are lost, and we are going to be able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. And when it's time to worship as a church, and these new believers are there and not really sure what to do, you know what they're going to probably look to? They're going to look at those who are here, the core group, those who are already here, those who, st- those who are helping, those who are serving. And they're going to, and your real authentic worship is going to be an example to them of, of we really believe what we're singing. God ha- really has made a change in our lives. Real worship, it glorifies God. It's a testimony from you of God. And it draws other people to God. That's my vision for our church worship. Let's make it happen. Let's worship God together. That is... That is why we are here, to worship God, to give Him glory, to learn about Him, to spread His gospel. And you know what? It starts with how much, how much worth He is to us. That's my vision for our church worship. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's do this real quick before we sing together. I want you to take a moment and just pray. I want you to ask God to help you grow in your worship. Let's be, I want us to be unified in our worship. I want it to be real. I want it to be authentic. Whether we're singing a hymn from 200 years ago or a song that got written last year, who cares? Let's glorify God. Let's worship Him in spirit and in truth. Take a moment right now. Just ask God. Would you help us as we as we sing once more together and lift up your name and sing about the cross and sing about your resurrection and, and, and what, what, we, what we possess as believers. You are worthy of our worship. Help us never, Lord, help us during our worship, Lord, to focus completely, 100% on you. Help us to be authentic. Help us, free us from distraction during our worship time. Lord, and even if there are things that could potentially be distracting, God, help us to maintain our focus on the subject of our worship, and that is you. Please, Lord, we love you, and we need you, and we worship you. Help us as a church to grow in our worship. God, we need you. Thank you for who you are. In your precious and holy name, we ask you to bless us. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song once more.